You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Today we have Flora Law with us today. Um, and funny backstory, actually, I, I first met Flora on Instagram and my clients were, were kind of looking at a property uh, by Anthem, this new development. And, you know, I saw one of her ads come up and kind of she was featured in that. So, you know, I thought that it would be really cool to, to be able to connect with her um, and have her on the podcast. So thank you so much, Flora, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, Flora, why don't you um, give our listeners a quick introduction about yourself? Sure. So, uh, I'm a lifestyle blogger. I'm based in Vancouver, uh, Canada. Um, and before that, I, I had a background in marketing, I guess. Um, I studied communications in school, worked in marketing for a couple of years before I started doing blogging full time. That's, that's amazing, Laura. Um, and I wanted to dive into a little bit of your upbringing. So, um, you know, where did you grow up and, you know, how, how were your parents, uh, how were your parents an influence, you know, for your upbringing and, and how they impacted you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, grew up in greater Vancouver. I've been here, lived here all my life. Um, I grew up in the Burbs though. So in Burnaby, <laughs> um, and I would say my parents are actually quite conservative. I was raised conservatively. Um, and it's, I guess sometimes crazy to think about what I was like when I was younger because I was definitely more shy, more soft-spoken just uh, with the way my parents brought me up. Um, And uh, they actually split up when um, I was uh, in my first couple years of high school, but um, uh, I'm still super close to both of them. And both of my parents do have their own businesses. So I think that's played a big role on why you know, how I've decided to start doing something by myself full-time, like a blogging business. Um, so definitely they inspired me a lot to, you know, t- take that risk. Not that they've, you know, verbally encouraged me to, because they wanted me to do everything traditionally. They wanted me to go to school and then just, you know, get a good job and just, um, I, I guess, just be like, I don't know if this, I'm allowed to say this, but just be a good Asian girl. <laughs> you know do everything right but um I I know they're definitely really really proud of what I'm doing now but because they're so traditional they don't really get it um so it it is difficult to explain to them and my relatives in Hong Kong what it is that I do but they do get the gist of it and they're quite supportive um so uh for school I went to a university for communications and publishing And um, I actually wanted to work for a magazine. That's what I wanted to do growing up. Um, I watched 13 Going on 30 and I just became obsessed with that. (laughs) So uh, that's why I picked that major. But then when I graduated, I got a internship for a marketing role for um, at a sports team. I did corporate partnerships for them. And um, after I graduated, they decided to hire me. So I worked there for a couple years. Um, and then there just wasn't any room to grow. So I got a job at a tech startup. Um, they were brand new and I was their marketing manager. So I sort of helped them build everything from the ground up. I was their first marketing hire and that was a huge learning experience, learned so much. It was a wonderful job and stayed there for a couple of years. And that's when I um, started doing Instagram. I didn't even have a dot-com blog at that time. So I always love fashion. I've always been a super girly girl, Um, but tech isn't the most, you know, fashion forward industry. (laughs) Um, Like how, how creative can you be with marketing software, right? It's like, it's an app. So um, I, one one of my girlfriends and I just decided, you know, on weekends, we'll take photos and, um, we'll post them. It was just for fun, just a creative outlet for me. I didn't even use hashtags. I had no strategy, but I made it a point to post 
three times a day. So I would post one once when I was walking to work during my lunch break and then walking home from work. And I think about three months into that was when I started getting noticed by brands and um, when people started reaching out to me to work with me. And um, from there on, I, I grew more and it got to the point where I decided I had to make a choice. You know, if I want to do Instagram or blogging full-time, if I even wanted a chance, I had to give it at least eight hours a day. I, it can't just be, you know, when I get home from work and I do a couple emails or on weekends. So I made the choice to quit. I gave myself a timeline sort of. I said, you know, if you do this for three months and you don't make enough money to like make at least how much I was making or almost how much I was making working full-time, then I'd have to find a job again. But um, it went pretty well. So here I am. <laughs> that, that, that's really amazing, Flora, to, to kind of hear your upbringing. Um, and, you know, when, what was the biggest challenge, you know, growing up? I know your parents did split, but you're still close with them. Mm -hmm. um, what was kind of the, 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 the challenge there and how did you overcome that? Because I, I, I do feel like, you know, when, when you're growing up and, and you're used to having both parents there, like all of a sudden, like that would have an impact on you. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I was just curious to see, you know, how, how it impacted you in a positive way. Like, like the, how did you turn that into fuel to, to kind of push yourself to, to overachieve and, and kind of grow? Yeah, I think um, just going through that, I, I don't think my, I mean, I have nothing to compare to um, and I haven't heard very many other stories of people going through their parents splitting up but um my parents were never that happy together from what I remembered so it didn't like I was very very bummed and when they argued I just remember being sad so when they split I wasn't that sad because it was sort of like oh finally but it was mm. hard um the hardest part was they wanted my brother and I to pick sides um and we simply just would not do that because that's ridiculous so if I, I think it made me very strong and just to stand my ground because I, like I said, I was very shy and soft-spoken growing up just because of the way they had raised me. But um, um, that just made me a lot more comfortable with speaking in my mind. I guess I wouldn't be scared of what they, anyone would think or say anymore. So it helped me break out of my bubble a bit. It's definitely made me very strong. Um, going through that, I do feel a little bit invincible, I guess. Like if I can deal with that, I can deal with anything. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Give me a second. Um, is there a way to pause the dinging? Like, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll you can try to get okay, one sec. Um, okay. Uh, I'll just get Devin to cut this part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Because um, I thought it, oh, I, uh, I turned Sorry about that. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I muted it. Uh, let's see, message. Or maybe on the Mac, is it like coming from, or um, I don't know. Yeah, the message app isn't even open on my Mac. On your Mac, interesting, yeah. okay. But I'm like, and okay, let's, I'm going to go into notification. There isn't even a, huh, because I put it on mute, unless I, okay, I'm just, maybe if I open it and then close it again, that'll do something. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Sorry, I'm so sorry about that. No, no, no problem. It, it didn't ruin, um, like, every anything so far, has it? No, 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 no. Okay, I think it should be okay now. I just, okay, yeah. Okay, let's, okay, there we go. Okay, it should, be <laughs> should be good. Okay, cool, cool, no problem. I'll just get Devin to cut that out. Um, so no worries at all there. Um, and then, okay, what were we talking about again? Your upbringing, okay. Give me a second. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll, okay, yeah. okay, picking sides and standing ground. Okay, cool, 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 okay. Um, no, so so that's that's amazing, Flora. Um, and from there on, would you say that because of that event, you became more outgoing, like you were more uh, active? I was a little more outgoing, but it was a series of events that I guess 
um, like right now, is the, I wouldn't even say I'm an outgoing person. I'm just so comfortable with myself now. Um, and I think deep down inside, I still am that, you know, shy. I think I, I'm still shy. I've just gotten better at hiding it. <laughs> um, and it, it was a series of events that's made me more, I guess, outgoing and not as shy. And that was one of them. That was the starting point. But um, definitely as like when I started blogging full time, I was still pretty shy when I started going to events by myself and I didn't know anyone that was super nerve wracking. But now I'm a lot more comfortable with it. But it just took a lot of time and it took being in very uncomfortable situations to get to the point where even if I am uncomfortable now, I just embrace it. So it's not that uncomfortable. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, for people that are kind of in your shoes where they're a little bit timid, a little bit shy, um, you know, what's, what's the number one thing they can do to kind of break out of that and, and you know, just really be themselves? Um, don't overthink anything. Uh, I think when I was more shy, I definitely overthought more and I would just worry about looking or sounding stupid and thinking, oh, people must think that like she's so weird or dumb or whatever. But uh, people don't think that, or at least that's what I tell myself. And if they do think that, it's okay. It literally does not matter. <laughs> Absolutely. And Flora, um, when did you really get into fashion? Have you always kind of dressed up growing up like you were always big into that um, um, or how did it, it start? Yeah I think definitely even when I was in high school I was into fashion. Um, I, I mean I don't think I always had the best taste but I always liked fashion and I always had my own style. Um, like I mean this is so embarrassing to say but like in high school like there were occasions where I wore little kitten heels to school. <laughs> and that would be my outfit and it's it's silly yeah like even some of the teachers would be like what's you know with the heels but I just wanted to be fashionable it was it was a form of self-expression I guess I've always been super super girly though and where the the, the first inspirations of fashion come from um, I subscribed to this magazine called Seventeen Magazine. I don't know if you've heard of it. So that was early on in high school, and that's what I read. Um, and uh, I guess that it influenced me a lot because every month I'd get this new magazine, and I'd like just start flipping through it. Absolutely. Um, and when you were going from high school to university, um, in terms of picking your major did you have any particular reason why you decided to go with communication? Um, so when I, um, when I applied to uh, the university I went to, I actually didn't apply to go into communications. I applied for criminology. I took a psychology course in high school and just got really into that. I had a lot of interest in it and I watched a lot of shows <laughs> um, like CSI. Uh, so I did that for my first semester and then just decided it wasn't for me. I didn't see myself going into forensics or becoming a cop or anything, you know, or a lawyer. So um, I wasn't sure what to switch to and I've never been good at math. So I knew that business wasn't an option, even though I know my parents really wanted me to do that, but it, it wasn't for me. I, I knew I wouldn't have been good at it or happy. I don't even know if I would have gotten it. Um, so I picked communications because um, I always liked writing. That was my strong suit. And um, I think it was because a lot of the friends that I had met were in that faculty and uh, they, you know, they would talk to me about it. And I just thought that seems like something that would be a great fit for me. So I switched to that in my, in the second semester of my first year and just you know stayed there ever since. But it was the, I think the writing aspect that was, was what drew me in um, and I so I just had communication as my major and then into my second year I decided to do my minor in publishing so that was something new that I added there was just a lot of overlap so I think I, it would only have been one or two extra courses to get that minor so I thought that was simple enough and um, there was a course on um, I think it was m like marketing for like book pu publishing something I don't 
quite remember. It was something like that, and that really caught my attention. So that's why I decided to do um, that major and minor. And do you think that your upbringing had a, a really important role in you kind of turning towards writing as a way to uh, express yourself and communicate that way? Uh, I wouldn't say so I, I, because I've never journaled as a child. Um, I can't really pinpoint when I started liking writing. I think it was just natural because uh, in high school, it was the, like the class I did better in was English. Um, I, I just, I wasn't good at science or math. Like I didn't like it and I wasn't good at it. So I think I just gravitate to what I was, I was good at more and that became what I liked more. <laughs> okay, so again, being self-aware of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, like what you're interested in and doubling down on you know, what you're good at. Absolutely, of, yeah. That, that's amazing. And so how did your, your fashion trend, um, how did it, it shift when, when you went from high school to university, from your um, kitty heels, you know, <laughs> what, 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 what was, uh, you know, Flora's fashion style in, in university? Um, I, I don't really remember. I have to look at old photos. I feel like I wore a lot of oversized blazers, I think, which is funny because now they're back in, but I got rid of all of them. But um, I remember planning my first outfit for my first class um, of university and telling my friends and they were kind of like, what the fuck, it's school. But, and even the, like, they're, they're my best friends and you know, we poke fun at each other, but they definitely made fun of me for that. But I did it anyways, <laughs> because that was important to, I don't know why, it, it was important to me. <laughs> but um, I don't think it actually transitioned that much um, from high school to university. I, I just wore more comfortable footwear, I guess, because I was taking the bus up the mountain. You know, I, I was walking a lot more. Uh, but I think, um, like, every transition from, you know, then to now really did happen gradually. Um, I, you know, now I get a lot of inspiration from Instagram, but just uh, TV shows. Um, definitely what I watch, what shows I watch influence how I want to dress a lot and um, magazines still, I still read magazines and obviously reality television. That, that's amazing, Flora. And when you graduated university, uh, was it anywhere on your mind, like throughout your, your, your upbringing, did you ever thought about starting your own business? Like, did I ever cross your mind? Were, did you have entrepreneurial tendencies? Like, were you you know, selling things no, on the not, side? Not, not at all. Um, I had, you know, I, I worked a retail job in um, high school, like in, in grade 11 and 12, I think. And uh, I worked in retail for my first couple years of university too. So I never, I can't say I had entrepreneurial drive growing up. I honestly didn't even know it was an option. Um, or something that I could do. I just felt like working for a company was was the better decision because it's uh, secure, it's stable, um, and and I still think that I think you know it's amazing what I do. But if an opportunity ever came along and it was for a really cool company and it was for a great role, um, I'd I'd probably take it. I'm not opposed to working full time again if it was the right fit. Absolutely. So, and, and that's coming from you too. Do you think uh, that it's important for people to get a job and kind of learn all the skills and knowledge while they work if they do plan on maybe starting a business or ever have thoughts about that? I would recommend it. Yeah, because personally, it's taught me a lot. Um, just working in an office, just, I think a lot of etiquette. I, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but uh, how to craft an email. That's really important. And um, just blogging full time, you are essentially your own salesperson. You have to pitch sometimes. You have to do a lot of emails. You're your own negotiator. You do your own invoicing. So you're your own accountant. I, I know some people um, hire people for that or have agents, but I do everything by myself. So um, 
working in an office before and uh, you know my first role as an intern I did a lot of those mundane tasks but it, it was it's it's a it was a good experience and I it's good to know how to do it so that I can do it now more effortlessly so yeah I would recommend um, getting a job somewhere before uh, starting you know your own business but I feel like there's people who have just done it and have succeeded so it just depends on her absolutely Flora and when in the process did you start your blog like how how did that idea come from did you just wake up one day and like oh let me start um, writing well the blog didn't come so I I didn't have a blog I think until two years into uh, like until my Instagram picked up so I was already making money on Instagram but I, I didn't have a dot-com blog and mm. I made it because I knew that I had to I knew that that's something that brands would value they want someone who has their own domain so that was the that's the main reason why I am um, uh, created a, a blog and just writing content to put on there but my blog doesn't get as much traffic as my Instagram page so I don't put as much time into it but I, I do keep it alive and fresh just so people have somewhere to go in case they you know stumble into my on my profile and they click my website absolutely so the the, the most important thing you know for you is you you saw the potential of Instagram um, as a source where there's a lot of attention on there. So you were able to really leverage that platform to kind of build um, your brand. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are three words that you would describe yourself or, or your brand? Um, uh, let's see, I think minimal or simple to describe my style. Um, like, it's changed a lot throughout the years, but now, um, dog, I don't know if that's <laughs> a good word to describe it because my, my dog's in a lot of some, so minimal dog and, um, like lifestyle. I know that's really vague, but I, in the beginning I was very fashion, but I did want to make it more of a lifestyle page than just fashion. And why do you think people follow you? I think in, so in the beginning when I didn't have very many followers, I know that they just liked how I put my outfits together and they followed me for the inspiration. Um, and I think it's still similar to that now. Um, the most important, like anyone can take a cute photo of themselves with a nice outfit on and post it, but it's when you add value that people follow. So I think they follow me because they might want to know like where, where did you get that bracelet or necklace? And I get DMs every once in a while when I don't tag an item. So I think they follow me because they, it, it's for the value. And from your point of view, uh, it's uh, like, what, what value do you, can you offer people um, compared to like other lifestyle bloggers? Well, everyone has their different style. So um, I'm, I don't think I'm, super unique there's definitely other people on there that have a similar style than me um so like i mean i don't think anything this is awful to say but nothing on the internet is really that unique anymore everyone's kind of doing their own thing but or doing the same thing but putting a little bit of their own spin on it mm. yeah <laughs> no that that's that's absolutely true so the, the key point there is not to reinvent the wheel, kind of see what people are doing, but add your spin or your approach mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. And do you remember what the, like the first brand collaboration was and you know, how you felt when you, when you made that happen? Yeah, I, I do remember that one. I was still working full time and I was doing emails at lunch when I got uh, the offer, but it was for a jewelry brand. And um, I think I only had like 3000 followers at that time, but uh, they just wanted to do a couple posts from me. So um, they said they would, they would pay me $30 a post, three posts. So that was 90 bucks. And that was awesome like I didn't even know I could make money from Instagram at that time um, I was doing it for fun I had thought you know I know people do this you know as a full-time job I didn't know that that would ever happen for me 
So I think when I got that email, I was like, huh, like that really got me thinking like this could be a thing. I just need to put more effort in. I can't just, you know, sit here and hope that I get more emails like this. So what do you say that was kind of the aha moment where you're like, okay, maybe I should really spend more time. Yeah. So I, and, and I did spend more time. Um, I, I didn't, you know, consider quitting my job yet at that point. Cause like, I mean, you know, 90 bucks, that's not like, that might get me grocery, some groceries, <laughs> but um, I, I put a lot more time in. I think um, I can't even say I was the happiest at that point. I just didn't know it, but um, I, I was just working so much because I would work nine to five and then I would be on my phone so much just working on content or replying to comments um like editing content and i i would fall asleep with my phone in my hand and then because i was doing something but that i but that was necessary i had to do that to build my following i was very very aggressively trying to get more followers back then um i'm not as aggressive about it now now i'm i'm happy with where i am but i just try to maintain but um, definitely put a ton more effort in after I got that initial email and it did pay off. So it, that led to more emails and I started building relationships with a lot of PR brands. Um, and when the same brands would consistently come back to me month to month to uh, give me collaborations, that's when I realized that I could quit my job to try and do that full time because I had like, I guess, repeating customers, sort of, or the opposite of whatever a customer is, because they're, they're paying me. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's really amazing, Flora. And take me back to kind of, I, I know initially when you first started off, you were kind of posting for fun, but you made an effort to really be consistent and post, you know, three times a day. Um, but not only that, um, how were you able to like, how did you connect with brands initially when, when you were first starting off? And uh, how did that process happen? Was it just a lot of emails, DMs? Um, and who did you reach out to initially? Um, so initially, I didn't reach out to anyone because I didn't know that was an option or that anyone would want to work with me. I didn't have I didn't have a following at all. Um, but every now but uh, so the first collaboration I told you about, they um, DM'd me and then we took it to email. And even at that point, I don't think I, no, I, I wasn't comfortable reaching out to brands yet. Um, but if they emailed me or DM'd me, then I would always reply and we'd go from there. I don't think it was until I quit my job and started doing it full-time that I started pitching brands. I wouldn't have had the time. It, it would have been difficult to find the time to do it anyways when I was working full-time. Um, so when I quit my job, then I had all this time to work on my blog. Uh, that's when I started um, pitching brands. So I would just make a list of brands that I wanted to work with and then I would try and find their contact information or the right person to get in touch with who was in charge of their marketing or PR and I would send them an email and um, got, got a lot of no's but um, some yeses as well. It's mainly PR companies though so usually they would reach out to me for one project and we just sort of keep in touch and we check up on each other once in a while and though that's how I've gotten most of my work I'd say because it's like in any industry you have to establish rapport and relationships and the more people trust you the more they'll want to keep working with you again so that's definitely been um yeah a really important part of how I've built my brand awesome Flora and in terms of uh picking brands to work with are there do you have like set criterias that you would only collaborate with these brands if they fit these criterias? Um, so anything that I'm interested in, uh, I don't often get pitched to work on projects for things that clearly aren't a fit for me because I think they would know anyways. But uh, there have been a couple times where I've gotten emails and it's very confusing why they think that this is a good idea. Um, so I, I just say, you know, thank you so much. Um, I don't think this is a fit, but let's keep in touch. And um, people respect that. So uh, there's no, you know, like list of 
an, a list that I go through of criteria before I say yes or no. Um, but I mean, I've, I think in the beginning I said yes to some work that now thinking back, I should have said no to because it wasn't a hundred percent a good fit, but I needed the money at the time. So I did it and I put my own spin on it. But, um, uh, now I can be more selective than before just because I have that option. Um, but it just comes down to what is a fit and what's not a fit. I don't want people going on my page and being confused if I'm working with a brand that doesn't make any sense or they know that that's not a part of my lifestyle. That's really important. And what would be the most memorable collaboration that you've been able to work on thus far? Um, there's so many, I don't think I could just pick one. Um, there's a lot of, definitely the brands I've worked with more long-term, I guess I would say Dynamite is the most memorable one. Um, they're a Canadian clothing brand and, um, I shopped there even before I started blogging and um i would tag them in photos when i would go on trips um just for the content i create and uh they decided to work with me so they um i think it was for two years like the contract that they gave me it, it was for one year and then they renewed for another year i went on a really fun press trip with them to san francisco and that was that was really fun i think that would be the most memorable memorable one Wow. Yeah, I've I've I know about dynamite. Like I, I do see them around. I don't yeah. shop there. <laughs> no, it's for ladies. <laughs> but I, I, I know they're they're brand pre they're they're present in, in a lot of malls. Um and how like how does one start to become a lifestyle? Like what what would you say like it to someone if if people are inspired by your story and they're like, you know, Flora, like I wanna become a lifestyle blogger in 2020, like what would be like what would you tell them just start posting so it is important to have good photos so if you're not good at photography then like watch a couple youtube videos or you know just get comfortable with um being in front of the camera like getting your picture taken how to you know stand um and learn what makes a good photo learn about lighting all that kind of stuff um and then just start create it like taking photos of yourself and learn to edit that's really important as well um and just post and be consistent so uh i think in the beginning so say you have zero followers and you're just starting your page um what i would do if i had to start from scratch now is i would um set one day a week like if i was working full time like saturday or sunday morning i would get a friend to help me take a bunch of photos i would bring outfit changes and then i would just stockpile for the week um i would edit them all and then i would uh an app that i use is called un um unum and it's a feed planning app and i would i'll i would plan everything out for the next week and i would plan three posts a day might be a bit aggressive now so maybe two um, and I would just do that and you, you'll have to do that for like months before you get any traction. If you're lucky, then it'll come sooner and use hashtags, tag brands, um, just, yeah, just get started and don't expect to get anywhere right away. I guess if you do one, a couple posts and nothing happens, don't get discouraged. Just keep going and have fun doing it because if you're not having fun doing it, if you see it as work and you see it as oh i just want to reach a certain goal of you know working with a certain brand or making money it's not going to be fun and you won't be motivated that's so important and for yourself like how long did it take from when you started to regain some traction like how many months was that just to get people i think three three months at least um and like i said i was being very aggressive with it three posts a day all the hashtags um I, I put a lot of time into it. I don't know if I would be able to do it now just because I, you know, remember the nights of just falling asleep with my phone in my hand and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it'll take months. Like if you're starting completely from scratch. Absolutely. And for the hashtags, there are hashtags with different numbers of posts like you know some with a million some with 100k some with 10k um mm -hmm. is there 
like a hashtag strategy that you follow in terms of do you use the bigger hashtags or do you recommend starting with the smaller ones because you might be able to gain traction there like what is your take on that yeah so um yeah there is hashtag strategy so um definitely like i like ones with um like less posts so the you know the hashtags with a million sometimes i'll i'll use it uh, if it's if it describes the post properly but usually i like ones that are i'd say like under a hundred thousand posts and it depends on what the photo is but i just think in the way like if someone was trying to look for this photo for inspiration what would they search and try and think like who you would want your reader to be mm. and um use those tags that, that's really important okay that's that's a good tip because people are like there's so many hashtags like how do i start like which ones do i use and flora um when did you start having uh an appreciation for wine because i know you're a big wine person oh um i think so i worked at a restaurant um when i was going to school and i think that's where it started i mean i definitely didn't know the different types of wine back then i just knew i liked it <laughs> um so i mean i i can't really pinpoint one but um i met a lot of really great friends working um in the restaurant industry and even after we all quit we stayed in touch but i guess it just started from like going to happy hour together and trying different wines um wine tours i guess uh the first time we went to the okanagan we went on a really fun wine tour and they educate you a lot on the whole process and we thought that was really cool so I think that's where the enthusiasm of it comes from. <laughs> nice. And do you think you're a red wine, a bigger red wine person or a white wine? Red wine. I love red wine. I like rosé during the summer because it's pretty and easy to sip on. But at the end of the day, I love red wine. And do you have your favorite red wine? Not one in particular. My favorite winery um, in BC is Burrowing Owl. So any red wine from them is really good. I'm more, I like lighter red wine. So I guess Burrowing Owl Pinot Noir, but any well-made Pinot Noir I love. It's just, it's easy to sip on. <laughs> and your favorite luxury brand and why? Uh, my favorite one. It's hard to just pick one. Um, it it is changing all the time. I mean, I think Chanel is obviously a staple, but right now I would say Gucci is probably my favorite. A lot of their pieces are more like Chanel's classic and I'll always love that about them, but Gucci is more fashion forward. Like a lot of their new pieces are really fashion forward. Some of them are kind of crazy and even I wouldn't go near that, but they have some pieces that are in between where you can style it like style it in a way with more simple pieces that like where it makes sense to wear outside on the street. I think their price point is more attainable too. It's still luxury, but um, it, it's attainable. Like you can plan to buy something from there. Um, so yeah, Gucci right now. Gucci right now. And in terms of like getting into fashion, like how, how do people even start off with that? Like, what do you recommend getting a couple of key pieces from like luxury brands and kind of pair them up with um smaller brands or what is your take on that like if people wanted to start getting into fashion but they're on a tighter budget like where yeah. would you start um so when i started posting like my very like my post in the very beginning they it wasn't super nice things i i, I guess i probably had maybe a bag in there or sh like you know something but the clothes i was wearing they were from fast fashion brands like, i like 10 to 20 dollars like cheap um and i bought all those pieces myself because i wasn't getting sent things back then so you can um definitely start a page but without the luxury aspect if you know that's not in your budget um, i would say stick with more minimal pieces it just looks more elevated um and you i mean i, I don't think you have to have expensive things to look expensive um there, you can kind of tell from the photos on certain websites where when you look at it, if you get it, will it look cheap or not, depending on the material. So um, ribbed material, I'm not really a fan of, but chunky sweaters, I think it's easy to style that um, nicely and for it to look more elevated. I like 
cotton a lot. Um, I guess like the tip is just to buy things that fit because if it fits you properly, then it will look like you spent a little more money on it. So if I, like I'm, I'm five three, but, it, and I love buying, you know, dress pants from uh, misguided or pretty little thing. Even Zara um, are, you know, brands with good price points, I think, but if they don't fit me, then I just take it to the tailor and it fits so well after, and it just looks so much better in photos. Um, so make sure things fit, make sure they're steamed properly because if it's a really inexpensive piece and it's probably polyester, it will wrinkle really easily. But if you steam it, then it'll just look more presentable. It'll look more expensive. And then you can throw on accessories here and there. It doesn't have to be a designer bag, something structured. I think structured pieces look more elevated for sure. And what do you see like the current fashion trend right now that's going on? Uh, well, in quarantine, everyone's in sweatpants right now. La like, a lot of people are buying, I guess, um, like branded logo loungewear. There's this Dolce & Gabbana like loungewear set. It's like a sports bra. It's weird. Um, and the thing is, it looks pretty cute. I was like, oh, maybe I should get that. And I checked and it's, I think it was like 200 bucks or 100 bucks for, um, for one of the pieces. So it's not it's still really freaking expensive for underwear, but um, it's it's attainable if for um, a lot of girls. So uh, I can I looked at it and I just I couldn't even bring myself to buy it because I'm not gonna buy something and only wear it for a photo. Like, what am I gonna do with that? I guess I I would wear it around at home, but um, I think it's really chic, not for me personally, but. I really like how a lot of the girls style it and I'm a total fan. I just wouldn't buy it myself. But right now loungewear is very in. I think like comfy sweatpants. Um, like my favorite thing to wear at home is uh, like, I, I really like biker shorts right now. Um, it's, you know, comfy, but still cute. I think um, it's good for when I go out and walk my dog. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of, you know, becoming a lifestyle blogger, um, you know, definitely right now, quarantine 2020, loungewear is trending. So oh, yeah, <laughs> it's sold out everywhere too. I wanted to get new sweatpants and I couldn't even. <laughs> that, that's great to hear. So if you can secure a pair of sweatpants, you know, you're, you're ahead of everyone else because uh, it's, <laughs> quite likely that you'll you'll not come across a lot of competition posting about that so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you can style it properly it's it's really hard i tried to take a couple of photos um but it's it's hard to look cute in sweatpants props to the girls who are doing it <laughs> and flora what are some exciting projects that you have kind of in the works or up and coming um, a lot of stuff has been uh, postponed because of this whole situation. So um, there were a there were a couple things I was supposed to work on, but they've been postponed right now. I might be working on something for Mother's Day and still emailing them about that. So it's kind of soon to say what's coming up. <laughs> and how are you coping um, with this situation right now? Um, and do you have any words of advice for people that, that are kind of listening to this? Uh, just stay positive. I guess I had a mini breakdown myself just because it's, uh, it's a really hard time. Um, I mean, I'm still creating content and still staying active. I'm still keeping in touch with brands. I still do emails every day, even if, um, a lot of the collaborations have been postponed because, if this continues until November, I don't think they're going to postpone it until then. They'll probably, you know, find a different direction on how we can still make it happen. But um, just if you're, you are lucky enough to work from home, then, you know, keep doing that just business as usual. Um, but I guess just try and stay positive, whether that be, you know, having zoom meetings with your friends or like making a really good meal or taking a walk with your dog, just whatever it is that you need to do to stay upbeat, do that. Got it. And uh, you mentioned the importance of structuring an email. So I want to quickly go back to that. You know, what, what does a great email entail? Because it, it feels like you've had a lot of success with having the right email in the right person's 
inbox and that has led to a lot of opportunities for you. So um, yeah, how should people structure their email? Just um, I don't, I mean, I don't have a template or anything that I use, but usually I'll get an idea for um, a story or a piece that I want to work on. And then I'll start brainstorming which brands I want to work on, uh, work with for that um, topic. And um, I, I, I always, it's just, it's all about being polite and you just sounding professional, I guess, like um, good grammar, good punctuation, you'd be surprised. Like I have a lot of friends that work on the PR side and they've showed me some emails where I'm shocked that people send that. It's just bad grammar, bad, just no punctuation. Um, sometimes people are rude uh, or sometimes you can sometimes you can clearly tell it's a copy and paste. It's not personal. So just be personal. Um, spell check, grammar check, uh, be polite. And um, I guess uh, length is really important too. I think don't send an essay. And um, yeah, like it, it's not like it's not really rocket science, I guess, because it's so simple. A lot of people wouldn't really think of that. But um, just think of it this way. If you're someone receiving an email and you don't know the person it's a completely cold email how would you want someone to approach it for you thanks for those great tips <laughs> uh, and last but not least you know before we wrap things up here if you could give your younger self you know two pieces of advice knowing what you know now like what would you tell them um i Yes, I wish um, that I didn't overthink as much. Uh, I think I overthought a lot or, you know, if I did a piece of work, I would overanalyze it and probably redo it a bunch of times when really the first version was fine. And that would, you know, I wasted a lot of time redoing something that didn't really need to be redone just because I overthought it so much. And that's precious time that I could have been doing something else with than being super productive. So that's one piece of advice. Um, another piece of advice, I guess, uh, is don't take things to the heart. I mean, I've, um, when I first started doing this full time, um, it's, it's kind of a catty industry. Um, I've met a lot of really cool girls, but they're, you know, I've had some interactions with not the nicest people. And in the beginning, I think I did let it get to me because girls can be really mean. Um, but now it, you know, it, it really doesn't matter anymore. That stuff doesn't bother me. But I think um, I, just, I would tell myself not to take anything to the heart because pe people don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Like they don't really know you. And if they want to make assumptions and that's something they, need to figure out themselves <laughs> um and uh just I, I wish i didn't let those things get to my head because it was such a waste of my time and looking forward in the future what is your five-year plan where do you see yourself in five years um i okay i try not to set you know five or ten year plans because i think it's really limiting you know if i set a goal then it's just i'm working towards that goal but what if i can go so much further um but you know i i definitely want to keep doing my instagram um i i never want to stop doing it because it's fun and it's a, a really like good gig to have um because just there's so many fun things about it but uh, i do miss what i did a lot before um i love marketing um i think i just need to find the right business to do it for. I, I love what I've built for myself and I want to do that for other companies. So looking into doing that again, I was um, helping small businesses here and there for a while just with their uh, marketing and social media. But um, because I was really bad at managing my time, I wasn't able to sustain that. So I think um, like for the coming couple of years, I want to slowly start doing that again because it was a lot of fun for me. And I do want to say, stay smart in what's happening in digital marketing just to keep on top of everything. And on that note of digital marketing, do you feel that Instagram is still the, the primary social media platform where everyone should be on? 
Uh, well, a lot of people are on YouTube too. Uh, I don't do YouTube um, because I'm not that great with, with video, <laughs> but um, YouTube's really great Pinterest as well. So Instagram's definitely really strong, but a lot of people, I mean, I, a lot of YouTubers aren't that active on Instagram and they do very well. And um, I've seen a lot of content on Pinterest get way more hits than Instagram posts. Perfect. So something to keep in mind is just, you know, definitely look around, see what other social media platforms are out there. And it's all about testing and putting things out there and seeing what sticks. So you might get more traction on Instagram or Pinterest, but if you don't try, um, then you'll never know. Mm -hmm, exactly. Perfect. And Flora, last but not least, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can DM me. I, I check my DMs as long as they don't send anything weird. <laughs> I'll always reply. Um, email as well. Um, I try. I, I do respond to every single email. Like I'm a replier, so I'll respond to all emails unless, again, it's something weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super easy to get in touch with me. I'm at the Flora Law on Instagram and uh, my website's also thefloralaw.com. My contact info is super easy to find on there. Perfect. And make sure you keep it super not weird before you send. <laughs> Most any... people, 99% of people aren't weird. I think you know what I mean. Some, there's some weirdos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please make a note of that before you send anything <laughs> to Flora. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again, Flora. It, it has been so much fun talking to you. Um, and you've shared with us your whole journey. I think it's super inspiring. Um, and it's absolutely amazing what you've been able to build for yourself. Uh, but also, you know, she had a lot of advice on not only social media, about fashion um, and, you know, how people can get started if they want to be a lifestyle blogger. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, John. Absolutely. We'll be in touch, Flora. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. <laughs>